Ladies and gentlemen, the recipients of the National Jefferson Award and the number one New York Times best-selling author, your host, Dave Pelzer. Hello, American world at large. This is your host, Dave Pelzer. As always, speaking to you in my own voice, attempting to try to save America and the world at large from itself, starting with me. As always, folks, I know you're so busy, particularly with all that's going around throughout the world today. I just want to thank you for taking your valuable time to give us a listen. It means the world to me. I, 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 I put my heart and soul in the shows. Uh, uh, this one's a, a long show. Excuse me. Uh, actually, I'm recording this twice. I, I gave you a good show. It was moments of wrapping it up, and I forgot to plug in my microphone. So this is, pardon me, this is take two of the show. Been working on it since uh, 1.30 a.m. It's now, oh my God, it's 1.30 p.m. Ho, ho. And, you know, I've uh, been gathering up a lot. Of this This has a lot of a lot of good meat in the show, and I recommend with the show, listen to it twice. For the first one, just listen to it. On the second one, and I'll tell you when, you're gonna. I want you to take notes. We've got good material for you that I think is going to be more help, most helpful, particularly with all that's going on, as 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 of uh, today. But again, thank you so much for getting us to listen. It just it just it just warms my heart, and it makes me a better person. It makes me want to do more. I appreciate your questions and comments. I truly, truly do, and 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 I have been very busy. I just finally last week, my little town home, and the Russian River, and God's blessings of these beautiful redwood trees. I finally put I pack unpacked the last box, unpacked that last box, and boy, I got to tell you, I, I I'm just so grateful and thankful. So uh, and again, I know I used to do three or four shows a month. And I'm probably doing once a month now. It's not because I'm lazy, but uh, I've been very busy with uh, uh, trying to get the house in order. And uh, I'm working on book nine, which uh, I, I think is going to be a, it's a very difficult book for me. And I've had some people read certain chapters, and, and they really like it. To me, it's a haunting love story. But I've been very busy. And, and I apologize. But uh, rumors of my demise, as always, have been highly exaggerated. So thank you again for listening. And as always, I, I want to, the first question, if you're new to the show, we always have the question. The most important question we ask in the show is, how are you? How are you doing? With all that's going on in the world today, I hope and pray you're getting rest. Good, solid rest. Because it's going to be a while before we get out of this. I get questions all the time. Dave, when are we going back to normal? There's no such thing. This is the new normal. Whether we have fires on the West Coast, unbelievable, unbelievable. They're getting fallout as far as far uh, east as Connecticut from our fires. Or uh, you're getting torrential rain if you're on the East Coast, if you're in the South. Oh, my goodness. It's just unbelievable. And, and, and we still have, you know, things we have to deal with. We still have to deal with life. So I hope and pray and remember you can't take care of your family. You can't take care of your love. You can't go to work if, if, if you don't take care of yourself first. That's why we say in this show, with all that you do, please take care of you. Which, uh, you know, uh, 
it's hard to say because I got to address all the elephants in the room, plural elephants. You know, think about it. If you don't address your elephants, psychologically, emotionally, whatever, you know, they, 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 they stay in that room. And you have to think about this. Elephants eat a lot and they poop a lot. That's a lot of elephant poop if you really think about that. So we have to learn to deal with things, ladies and gentlemen. I know we don't want to at times, but we have to deal with the reality of life. And a lot has happened in the last several weeks. I mean, we got the Delta variant running amok. We've got folks fighting in schools. And I'm going to address this as Unky Dave. We're better than this. We're adults fighting in front of kids in schools? What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? And if you think you're having a bad day, I mean, I was, I've, I've had, I've had, a, the last three years have been really Gosh, stressful and tenuous and horrible. Horrible is the correct word. But if you think you're having a bad day, I've got two words for you. Kabul, Afghanistan. You want to talk about wrenching. I saw the video of a mother or a father or some parent holding their kids above their heads. Take my baby, take my baby. And so there's, there's like 20 feet, and these, these, these people take the baby, and, and, and they take him to the wall. And there was something like World War Z, where people were using themselves as ladders to get to the top of this wall, and there's a man straddling barbed wire. Need I say more? A man straddling, straddling barbed wire almost falls off the wall. Someone holds his belt so he doesn't fall off the wall, so he can lean over, grab the baby, and give it to uh, a... I guess a Marine or an Army personnel. That's how desperate that situation is down there. People taking eight, ten hours to leave their crappy little apartment, carrying next to nothing, their world possessions, photos, papers, IDs, and trying to get to the, the airport. In the middle of that, you got the Taliban whacking you left and right. Total, absolute chaos. Can you imagine, you think you're having a bad day? Imagine living on the tarmac outside for a week, and you can't leave because someone will take your space. And there ain't no Mickey D's or In-N-Out Burger, and Domino's ain't delivering. The best that some of these people get is part of an MRE from a Marine who takes his meal. MRE's uh, meal is ready to eat. It's a ration. Maybe a Marine gives you this or gives you that. One Marine was ripping up cardboard boxes and say, here, here, here. And the parents put the boxes in and make, make it a pillow for the baby. Or, or maybe cover the baby with, with that as a blanket, per se. Can you imagine, like, uh, uh, trying to go to the bathroom? Because, again, you don't want to leave your space. Unbelievable. And that's a week sitting on the tarmac. Maybe you get a flight. Maybe you don't. Unbelievable. There was a photo. There was a photo of, uh, of, 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 I think it was like 684 or 48 evacuees in the C-17. Now, if I'm correct, uh, uh, combat troops is 175. You know, they got a st they strap and you know, they strap and you got little seats and so forth. You know, and, and, and then you got tanks in there and so forth. But 600 plus the personnel, and I got to give this, the, how this story went down, is the, the aircraft manager says, let's load him up. He got a sat net call, or called his commander, I think in Germany, Ramstein Air Base, 
if I'm correct. And he says, hey, commander, we've got a sit rep situation here. Here's the situation report. What do I do? And thank goodness, without hesitation, the aircraft commander's boss says, get as many as you can out and get them out now. I'll cover you on the back end. Do this. And it was like over 600 people. And you have to think about uh, uh, it's, it's center of gravity. The weight is not an issue. I think if you weigh all those people, it's less than, uh, or it's just over 650,000 pounds because you weigh them at 250 each. It's a center of gravity thing for them, how they uh, use their tanks, forward tank, aft tank, center tank. You know, so you have to adjust. And these people can't leave. Can you remember when back in the day? <laughs> Do you remember back in the day? We should have a program. Back in the day. Do you remember when we used to go to movies and, God darn it, you had to go to the bathroom? Pardon me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Pardon me. Pardon me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Pardon me. And now you come back from the bathroom. Pardon me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Pardon me. Pardon me. Excuse me. These people can't leave. They, ha they can't. They can't. They can't. They're, they're all crammed in together. Uh-oh. Gotta go pee-pee. Uh-oh. I don't think I should have had that last cup of coffee because now I gotta go number two. Now, if I'm the loadmaster, I don't care. I can always clean that off and what have you. But can you imagine the desperation of what? It's a six, seven-hour flight. Uh, I think the guitar, if I'm correct. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure on that one. But it's just, it's, it's, you really find out who you are, ladies and gentlemen, in a time of crisis. What you're really made of. Whether it's a divorce or a medical situation or you've got to evacuate, what do you take? What is valuable to you? Here, take my baby. That is extremely desperate. And th what really broke my heart was, did you, see the, did you see the video of hundreds of people running in front of a taxing C-17 aircraft? That's a big mamma jamma, that C-17, okay? Hundreds of people running behind the C-17 and hundreds of people running beside the C-17. Some of them were jumping on the wheel wells. Maybe they thought they were Tom Cruise from Mission Impossible. I don't think so. That's how desperate they were. One guy laid his hands on an actual moving jet engine. I'm like, oh my God. And there, the OSI, which is the Air Force version of uh, the FBI, had to investigate the deaths. I think it was either three or five people that were caught in a wheel well. And, of course, they, you, you take off and you, 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 you close the wheels. You know, the wheels come in to the wheel wells. And those guys didn't make it. What I'm trying to say is how desperate is all of that? And so far, uh, uh, as of yesterday, in one day, one day, they flew out over 12,700 personnel. And, and, and it's just, it's, you know, it makes, it, it's, 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 it's a bad situation, but you're proud of those people for doing their job. And the folks that did the initial 600 people, they didn't get critiqued. <laughs> they didn't lose their jobs. If anything, they're flying missions right now. God bless them. God bless them. Which kind of brings me to this. Um, you know, I, I don't, I, I don't, I can't imagine, why would anybody want to be president? <laughs> you know, at one time I wanted to be a town mayor. I really wanted to be a town mayor, a small town, you know, and, and solve little problems or make people happy or go to the schools and help out or just, you know, small town Dave mayor. I thought that would be a good gig for me. 
but I wouldn't want that job if you paid me a gazillion dollars or offered me a new body with a new heart. No way. What I want free food for life, Dave. No way. Oh, I love food though. I can't imagine uh, 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 what what's been like for for the President Biden. And and again, I'm not talking politics here, ladies and gentlemen. I'm talking about leadership. To come to finally surmise and say, you know, after 20 years, we're pulling out. We've been in Afghanistan for over 20 years, ladies and gentlemen. A trillion dollars. That's a lot of Happy Meals. That can build a lot of schools. That, 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 that can go to infrastructure. And quite frankly, I'm going to be truthful with you. I don't give a damn about the money. We're Americans. We can always make money. What really kills me is uh, 66,000 lives have been lost in Afghanistan, if I'm correct. 66,000 lives. And then you times that by three, the, the folks that came back injured, mentally, physically, spiritually injured and crippled for life. Then you look at their, their spouses, if they're still married. The collateral damage it does to their kids to see mommy and daddy come home wretched, not themselves. You're never, you know, the song from World War One when Johnny come marching home, it was a romantic song, hurrah, hurrah. All feel gay when Johnny come marching home. Johnny ain't coming marching home. Johnny's going to be in a wheelchair, mentally or physically. We always think we come back from war. We come back from a traumatic event. Everything's going to be as right as rain. It's never the same, ladies and gentlemen. That's why when we finally get out of this COVID thing, it's never going to be the same. It's just I don't like the loss of life. The older I get, I hate to see loss of life. And I, I've, I've seen a lot in my, in my days, whether it's Katrina or Joplin, Missouri, hours after the tornado hit or the highway of death in Barsha in Iraq. As a volunteer fire captain, my biggest thing is 10 fingers and 10 toes. When you come up in rank, uh, uh, I, I got promoted to chief, honorary chief. And they, they sat me down and said, this is your job now. You, have to, you, you are responsible when you come to a base to inspire these people, hear their stories. If you can't take care of it, you take care of it. You're working for them. I remember I was with uh, candidate Schwarzenegger. You know, we do the photo and he goes, you're the guy that does my voice. You're the guy that gives me the cigars. I like how you do my voice. Ah. And I couldn't believe I did this. I take another, the last photo of the day, take a photo with him. You know, you take a few photos throughout the day. I put my arm around him, and I couldn't believe I said this. And the staff like, oh, God, he's going to kill you. I put my arm around the big guy. I said, don't forget this now, sir. Now you work for us. What? Yeah, you're the governor, dude. You work for us. This is not about you. It's about us. Holy cow. Yeah, holy cow. As a fire captain, I'm always thinking 10 fingers and 10 toes. It's a rule. You keep it together. You keep it together until after the engine is backed in and the battery switches are off. Then you can high five. Oh, good job. Hey, man, we really killed that. Or you cry or you yell or whatever. But our job is to serve. Our job is to protect. Our job is to always be of service. When you're a parent, it never ends. It never ends. And the most valuable resource we have is putting men and women into harm's way. 20 years? What did we accomplish? I just, 
It was a hard decision, and, and if you're a Gold Star family, please do not think I'm disrespecting the loss and the cost of the loss. It's the opposite. I don't want to lose any more. I don't want to lose any more. When we did World War II, we were all in it together. We were supposed to lose World War II. Thank God we were bright enough, duh, to have women in the workforce. We would never would have won that war without women in the workforce. And everybody did something for a higher cause. Kids collecting scrap metal or rubber and bicycles, door to door. We all did something. And the objective was simple. We didn't want to speak German. <laughs> we didn't want to speak German. We didn't want to be the man in the high castle, okay? There's a reference from Netflix. You've got to see it. It's amazing. Is it Netflix or Amazon? We, I'm not sure of that. It's amazing. Like, it's, there's something called risk versus gain, ladies and gentlemen. As firefighters, they teach us risk versus gain. If you're going to go through extreme risk, you better have a lot of gain, i.e. structure fire. Fully involved structure fire. I will go interior, which is extreme risk, and I'm bringing my best person with me, man or woman. I'm gonna, the best one I got, you're coming with me, okay? If I think there's someone inside. That's extreme risk, but of course, we're trying to gain something out of it. We're going to pull out a mom or dad, a kid, something. And I just don't know what we're gaining out of this thing. We were, we, we were supposed to kick out the terrorists, then we went into nation building. It just, you know what Afghanistan is, and I've done my research, ladies and gentlemen. Afghan is where empires go to die. Whether it's uh, Alexander the Great, who had armies upon armies upon armies, he would capture uh, uh, countries, and they all had to join the army. <laughs> they had to join his army. And it got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. He couldn't take Afghanistan. What about the Soviet Union? Nine years, the mighty, mighty Soviet Union. I think they lost 15,000 in nine years. And they couldn't do it. Create a country, capture the country, invade a country. I remember one gentleman says, oh, we're just visiting Afghanistan. Nah, you've been here for about four or five years. I think it's an invasion. Well, they love us. No, I don't think they like, I don't think the Mahajin like you. The Mahajin, yeah, holy warriors. This is their land you're trying to invade. Man, unbelievable. And it's, I don't know if you know this, but that was one of the reasons for the demise of the Soviet Union. It was three things. One was, of course, the invasion of Afghanistan. Two, the SDI bluff. That Star Wars bluff. We were going to have uh, lasers in space that would knock out these incoming missiles, these hypersonic incoming missiles. And lastly, the demise of the Soviet Empire was Chernobyl, believe it or not. You know what breaks my heart about Afghanistan? If anything positive came out of it, it was the ladies, the girls. For 20 years, you know, they got to go to school. I mean, that is such a simple sentence. My daughter is going to school in Afghanistan. Oh, my gosh. And as these ladies grew, some of them got to be teachers. Some of them were involved in politics. Councilwoman, mayor, a lady mayor, medical profession. Some of them even served in the military. Pardon my language. You want to talk about badass? Imagine being a female fighter pilot in Afghanistan. I don't know if, I, I, I'm sure there's got to be a few of those ladies flying, or they were flying. 
Unbelievable. And those are the ones I got to get out because, you know, the Taliban, and it's Taliban, Mr. President, not Taliban, okay? With all due respect here. I cannot imagine being a father of a five-year-old or eight-year-old girl right now because I, I, I cannot imagine their future. And if I was a father of a girl, I'd, I would get her out any way I could because I don't think it's going to be good. I just, I don't understand. And of course, amongst all this chaos, did you notice that no one's wearing a mask? Oh, goodness. So if you think you're having a bad day, Afghanistan, Kabul, oh my goodness. Which brings us back to the U.S. of A. America, what, what in the hell are we doing? Aren't we better than this? We're fighting in schools about mask mandates. We're fighting. We're fighting in front of our kids. Fights in, in, in L.A., Florida. L.A., Florida, Tennessee, and L.A. There, there was one report that a teacher's walking by, and, and there's, there's, there's a parent with no mask poking the principal. You can't tell me what to do. You can't tell my kid what to do. Who the heck do you think you are? Boom, 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 boom. And really get in the principal's face. I, I thought out of etiquette and protocol, you don't really mouth off to a principal. You don't, you, you don't do that. It's the principal. If you got a problem, let's talk it over like adults. But those are the rules. We got we to gotta mask up in school. Whatever dist- district says it, you got to do what you got. You got to do it. But this teacher walked by, saw this, the, 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 starting to be a little, little tense, tried to calm down the parent, and moments later, the teacher's in an ambulance and goes to the ER room and has to get stitches for the parent that attacked the teacher on school grounds in front of kids. Kids were walking by the teacher's lounge going, whoa, man, this is quite the melee, quite the little scuffle. Oh, aren't we better than that? And we talked about it on the last show. I says, you know what? Pelzer Dumas predicts there's going to be the black market's going to be flooded with the CDC cards. That's a big thing now. And the Delta variant is going crazy. It's got the same numbers now than we had in the peak of January. And the problem we are having right now, and it's going to be a big problem in the future, is these medical professionals are burnt out. Some of them I saw are working six to seven days a week. Some of them are logging anywhere from 12 to 16 hours a day. There's no beds at ICUs. They're starting to put the beds outside now again. Pardon me, they're starting to have tents again. And these people are getting burnt out. I'm just, and why are we surprised, ladies and gentlemen? Why are we so surprised? Did we not, did Dr. Fauci, the new Nostradamus, Dr. Fauci, did he not say, hey, there's the Delta variant. We got to get our shots. We may have to mask up again. But if we don't get a handle on this, the fit's going to hit the Shan. And it has. We, we, I just, I'm surprised that people like, there was one guy who got the virus. This is, wow, man, got the Delta virus. Man, that thing almost killed me. I didn't think it was that bad. I didn't think it was that serious. Why so serious? I think I've learned my lesson. Really? You have to almost die to get your shots? I have a relative 
I spoke to this weekend. He had a medical problem, a very serious one. He told me I had a small heart attack. I'm like, what? Yeah, man, it was just a small heart attack. I says, no, you can't be a little bit pregnant. Either you're pregnant or you're not. You have cancer or you don't. He either had a heart attack or he had no heart attack. I mean, he was very close to death, and he had had his shots, and they, they had to work with him differently. And they said, well, you got in at the right time because we have a bed for you. We're going to take care of you, but, man, you got to, you know, whoa. And I said, why did you not get the shots? Well, I heard it might hurt your arm. Excuse me? What? I heard from Joe down the block at the bar, <laughs> It might hurt your arm, might sting your arm. Are you really? It might have. And, and it's amazing. If you haven't gotten the shot because you're thinking it's going to hurt your arm, if you've had any shots, and I've had a few in the military, uh, 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 you don't even feel it. I never. I even talk to people. Did you feel it? What? We're already done. What? Yeah, it's in this out. Boom, boom. Oh, my goodness. I, I just don't understand. And there's one guy I read. And he, he says, you know, I'm just kind of getting tired of this. My family and I got our shots. We played by the rules. I own a restaurant. I shut it down. I slowly opened it up, and then we had to close it again. Open it up, close it again. Third time, open and close. And, and, and these people come in. Like one guy came into this man's restaurant. The owner says, please, wear the mask. You can't tell me what to do. You're not the boss of me. Please this is our policy. The guy spat in his face. The guy spat in the owner's, the restaurant owner's face. And, and I just, I, I mean, and the guy was like, you know, I'm just trying to obey the rules. I'm trying to play by the rules. I got to think of my livelihood. I have to think about the people that are relying on me for a paycheck so they can feed their children. And you get some of these yahoos who just don't care who don't care, who don't want to play by the rules. Well, here's what I think, ladies and gentlemen. And, and, and restaurant owner Joe, if you're listening, how about this? No shoes, no shirt, no shots, no service. No soup for you. Unbelievable. I think folks are just stressed out. And I understand it. But we need to be vaccinated. And then the rest of the world has to be vaccinated. The sooner we do this, the sooner we can start living a certain sense of normalcy and reduce the stress. 95, pardon me, 92 million people have the shots and 85 million don't. We don't want to go under lockdown again. So the next step I predict is, is we, we got to have mandates. If you work in the in medical field, it's mandated. Work as a first responder, mandated. I had a firefighter I worked with. I asked him one time, oh, how, did you get your shots yet? No, I don't believe in them. Why? Well, Trump said this, or the doctors don't know what they're talking about. I'm going, okay, that just sounds really obtuse. What? I didn't say astute. I said obtuse. What? Exactly. No. If the doctor, you go to a doctor, doctor, if you're sick, you see the doctor. Doc tells you to do something, you do what the doc says. There it is. There it is. I have never heard or seen a doctor say, do not get the shots. Do not do this. No, everybody's saying, please get the shots. They're begging you. So much that 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 Biden said at one time, uh, get a shot, get 100 bucks. What? That's, come on. 
California had a lotto, win $15 million or $1 million. If you get your shots, you get a lotto card. What? I just don't understand it. It's, we're going to have to do a mandate. If you're a teacher, janitor, Joe, and the staff, get the shots. It's okay. You want to go to a concert, you got to show you, you got your shots. We've never done this before, Dave. Oh, yes, we have. Something called polio or the measles. Remember when you first brought your kid into kindergarten? They could, you, 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 when you register your kid to go to school, you got to have IDs and da-da-da, and you have to have your shot card. It's not that hard, ladies and gentlemen. But again, I get it. I understand. I think folks are just so beyond stress. Beyond stress. But did, did you know just about every American since the dawn, <laughs> since they left that ship from Europe, and it wasn't a carnival cruise, no princess, no room service. You're, you're in a ship, and it's crowded, and the food's not all that great, and maybe you're a little seasick. Oof, and then you finally land. Oh, my God, we made it. Thank God we made it. And now you've got to have a place to live. You've got to build. You've got to have a business. And, uh, again, you know, then you have revolutionary wars, blah, blah, blah. But they say, um, you know, the, the, the worst stress is if you're a teenager, married, and you have a newborn child. <laughs> you're a teenager. Your brain doesn't develop until about 25, 27. Your body's still developing. You're not making the best decisions. <laughs> and you have a newborn child. They say that's the worst stress. My son has figured this out at age 35. He had a birthday last week. He says, Dad, man, every day is Groundhog Day with that kid. Got to get him up. Got to get him dressed. Got to change two diapers. Got to get his pack together. Got to get his food together. Got to get his backpack together. Got to drive him to school before I go to work. Come back. Pick him up. Wants to play outside. Wants to jump on my lap. I just want five minutes to watch TV. See if we're at war with anybody, Dad. And every day is the same thing with the kid. Yep. It certainly is, Squire. Welcome to parenthood. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, he's quietly stressing out, but, you know, we're working a program with him. But I think the folks who really endured, if you want to talk about a generation that really endured stress, it was the greatest generation, my parents' generation. Imagine being raised in the Great Depression. Not that little recession we had in 2008 for a few years, but the Great Depression. And you were lucky if you had an outhouse. You were lucky if you had water inside the house. You were lucky to have something called electricity. Imagine being raised in the Great Depression. If you, if you don't know what that is like, just, just watch uh, Cinderella Man with our good friend Russell Crowe, our good friend who directed uh, Mr. Ron Howard, if I'm correct. That is so, so sad. Uh, I remember reading a book about um, how, they, how they built the Golden Gate Bridge and how many homeless, hundreds of homeless men they had an encampment. And, 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 and one day I think they lost either 7 or 17 people who fell off the bridge because the net broke and, and they, they, they died in the bay. And then how immediately, dozens upon dozens upon dozens, like World War Z, whoop, went to the front gate to get those jobs. That's how desperate people were. 
Imagine having an apple. Pardon me. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> I spoke too soon. <laughs> I'll margin. Imagine having part of an apple. You have an apple, but you're going to split it four ways so your wife or husband and your two kids can have something to eat called dinner. An apple for dinner. Sleeping on top of abused, soiled newspapers as a blanket. That was the Great Depression, ladies and gentlemen, and went on for years and years and years and years. Hence the grace of wrath. You want to see that movie with our good friend uh, Henry Ford? Is it Henry Ford? Who's Henry Fonda, pardon me, Henry Fonda. Read it by John Steinbeck. It's, 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 it's an eye-opening book. Yeah, we're going through a lot right now, but at least we didn't go through that. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I forget. We had something called World War II. World War II, ladies and gentlemen. And the average age in Vietnam was 19. The average age in World War II was 27. And, you know, and they were actually doing that after they, they had uh, uh, VE Day, Victory in Europe. They were going to transfer a lot of those soldiers to the Pacific. Because the, the, the plan was, you know, when they invade Tokyo, they expected to lose over a million men. A million men in Tokyo alone. That's why uh, President Truman decided to drop the atomic bomb. He wanted to send a message. He wanted to save lives. I cannot imagine what it was like to, to be a president. I cannot imagine how, I mean... Uh, you look at someone like Obama. He was in there for, what, eight years? Look at him right right when he got in, and look at him when he got out. And now you got to look at him. It's like, whoa, you have aged a lot. Yeah, stress. Stress. Unbelievable. And then these men came back traumatized from World War II and, you know, got to find jobs, try to put their lives together. Then they had to endure uh, 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 something called the Cold War. <laughs> The Cold War, everybody was a communist. McCarthy was going crazy. Senator McCarthy, the junior senator, saying there's communists everywhere, communists amongst us. We got we to gotta root them all out. Everybody's a communist. Well, that would make you a communist, sir. What? And then something, they were afraid of nuclear attack at any time. The arms race, mutual sure destruction. And then the Cuban Missile Crisis. One Minute to Midnight is a book you have to read. 13 Days in October is a movie, uh, Kevin Costner. You have to see it. A lot of people don't know this, and I've studied everything I can on the Cuban Missile Crisis. Everything I can. We almost, I mean, went to war, and people didn't even know about it over something so stupid, so simple and so stupid. Castro was out of the loop. It was Khrushchev and Kennedy playing chess. Castro... And we're not even talking about the, 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 the intercontinental missiles. I'm talking about something called tactical nukes. The Russians gave the Cuban army tactical nukes and said, put these in certain places by the beaches. That will protect your men in case you get invaded. Castro wasn't even briefed on it or forgot about it. Whatever. Command and control was basically lost. One captain was so nervous. When he saw a flock of seagulls, he thought, oh, my God, the Americans are coming. And he almost set off a nuke. Oh, my God. Can you imagine the stress of living in that era? And look at my millennials. 
Millennials are stressing out. They're not used to stress. They're not used to being inconvenient. Okay, yeah, there was 9-11, and we couldn't fly for what? Was it five, seven, ten days we couldn't fly? And then we got to wait 20 minutes because something called TSA. I got to wait in line to go through security. Whoa. Now, though, 2008, they experienced some of that, but, you know, that we bounced back from that. See, my millennials are used to me, 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 and me too. Now, 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 same day delivery. Instantaneous satisfaction. So they're not used to this stress. And now they don't know how to cope with it. My own son. Again, <laughs> this is a new thing for him. Did you know there was a Gallup poll taken in 2019 that says, you, the United States has the most stress in the world. The United States is the most stressed out country in the world. Now, I know someone right now is going, we're number one. America, we're number one. Well, <laughs> I don't know if I would be proud of that. I mean, and, and, and it, we had Ritalin, we had Xanax in the 60s and up to the 80s, Prozac Nation, you name it, we love to medicate ourselves. We want to sleep. We don't want any stress. And I know that you know this, but 70% of, of, uh, 77% of all stress affects your health. I bump into someone every day and someone says, because, you know, I'm a former fire captain. Hey, what about this? What about that? I say, well, well, number one, see a doctor. See a doctor. But I know, oh, this is just you're stressing out. Your body's collapsing or you can't sleep or something. You're stressing out because I say, what's happened in the last 24 hours? What's triggering this event? Something I learned very long long time ago is like we have a fall victim, someone who falls and injures her head. They're bleeding. Yes, we're going to take care and stop the bleeding. But the question is, what made you fall? Ho, ho. You see? It's like when work with people in program. Okay, stop drinking is only part of of the solution. It's a band-aid. What triggers you that you have to drink so much? Well, I'm trying to escape this. I'm going through a divorce or, you know, I was abused as a child and it just keeps rearing up. Well, you need to go to therapy and work through that. That makes sense. I'm sure you know that stress is linked directly to depression and anxiety. We used to think of uh, stomach ulcers. It's not really a stomach ulcer. It's the bacteria from the stress. Yes. And then there's another thing we call overeating (laughs) from stress. So I'm just saying recognize this. Stress will increase your chance of heart disease and stroke. We know this. And the worst thing about stress, ladies, the worst thing about stress is gray hair. There it is. And, and, I, and, I, and I get comments, Dave, we like your show. Dave, you seem to kind of have it together. And Dave, do you ever stress? I stress a lot. Oh, hell yes. I'm, I, I try to, I used to internalize my stress, which is not healthy. It triggers me to have more anxiety or, 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 or I would flash. I would get mad and angry like, okay, that's enough. That's enough. And I, I, I got to be truthful with you, ladies and gentlemen. I did not know. I did not know how stressed out I was until after I moved into my little town home. Now, just think about this. The last three years, I lost a relative from suicide. And it's, that's, 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 and he has kids, and that really 
pains me. But in the middle of that, I had a divorce of a beautiful person who I still love, and I know she loves me. It's the saddest thing on the planet. I had to, I chose to pack all her things. And it would take me four hours to pack one box. I would look over uh, 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 shoes that I got her, or pants or blouse that I got her, or a photo of us being together. Or maybe, maybe something intimate apparel that we wore, we made love, and, and then we, 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 we held each other in the middle of the night afterwards. It would take me four hours to pack one box, and I think we had over 100 boxes. I'm, I'm, I'm a fire, you know, firefighter, two separate fire districts that would take either an hour and a half to two and a half hours to get from point A to point B, dependent upon if the roads were open, <laughs> the time of day, and so forth. And then I'm helping out with vaccines. I'm working on the house that I've sold. I have no place to live. Seriously. I, I rented two little cabins, 60 days each. I had no, there was nothing available for me to buy in this area I wanted. There used to be, before COVID, there was like four or five units available. There's nothing. There was a high chance I was going to be homeless July 1st of this year, but I got lucky. I found a place, a fixer-upper. We did it. It's okay. And then I had to pack myself unpack all these things and things in queue with COVID like the movers here and this didn't show up so this has to sit outside for three weeks. Oh my gosh, I got to do this, I got to do that. I didn't know how stressed out I was until I finally started to unpack. I remember sitting outside the deck, the small deck. I got my flag, I got this beautiful wind chime. I've got flowers. Oh my gosh. I didn't know how stressed out I was until I was going to the bathroom I think six times in three hours and all I drank was water. My body was just starting to go boom, 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 shutting down from all the adrenaline or all the stress that I was keeping inside. So, yes, I stress out too. But what I try to do, ladies and gentlemen, is I try to deal with things one at a time. I was stressing out. I had like 80 boxes or 60 boxes for the kitchen. And I know, and this is after I gave away a lot of stuff, I know I'm not going to be able to fit that stuff in there. Oh, my gosh. But I just made it happen. Had to move things around a little bit, but one box at a time. They say, you know, if you come from a broken home, and we all do in a sense, that you're kind of, you get coping skills, coping mechanisms that you can use in your adult life. Me being abused as a kid, I had to learn to deal with stress. I had to learn to multitask. I had to learn to think ahead. And that's not a bad thing. I say, you know, uh, uh, if you haven't had stress, you're not going to do well when it comes to you. Um, I remember my friend in jump school, Bill Arnold, was, and if I told the story, I apologize. If you haven't heard it, this is a good story, real quick. He was he was tall, like six foot one, six foot two, black hair, thick jet black hair, brown skin, and 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 everything about him was perfect. He played football, baseball. Every time he did something, the first time he did it perfectly. Smart guy, great sense of humor. Allow me to hang out with him, <laughs> you know. I remember one time I walked in a bar, and I didn't go into bars. I walked in a bar with this guy, and women just swooned all over this guy. Oh, my goodness. He could have any girl he wanted just like that. Ring-a-ding-ding. And we went to jump school together. And usually the first day of jump school is called the line. They line you up, and the drill instructor like, where are you from? I don't like you, and I don't like your parents. Did your parents ever have children that lived? 
And he came up to Bill. Oh, look at you, pretty boy. Give us a kiss. Smoochy, smoochy. Give me a kissy, kissy. Aren't you a pretty boy? Well, you're not going to do well in my class. Da, 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 da. Oh, who are you? Pelzer, Schmelzer, Four Eyes, you skinny little rat. Get out of my... You guys aren't going to make it. You're the worst class I've ever seen. Blah, 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 blah. They say that to everybody. Okay? You saw the film Officer, you gentlemen. You get it. Okay? And I remember... I mean, I had my stare on, my thousand-yard stare. I've heard more. I've heard less. I've heard it all. Okay? Please. I went to, I, I went through special forces school with my mom. Okay? <laughs> if I can survive that, I think I can survive you, Sarge. That was my mentality. But Bill was tearing up. He was like, I don't know if I can do this, pals. I don't know if I can do this. He was really stressing out. I'm like, dude, there's no crying in baseball. <laughs> keep it together. Keep it together. K-I-T. Keep it together. Keep it together. And he, he, he DOR'd, dropped on request, I think day two, day three. He didn't make it. I had a lot of physical problems because I was uncoordinated, but I just pulled through. I did what I had to do to get through the now. You want to talk about stress? I mean, that, 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 that school is a lot of stress. Here's what I do, ladies and gentlemen. I do several things a day, every single day, that make me feel good. I surround myself with happiness. I've got music in the background, spa music in the background. Sometimes I'll sit, I'll have a cup of coffee. I'll sit outside in that beautiful deck. I'll sit downstairs. I, I got a little canopy outside. I've got, I've got SJ's garden. It's got waterfalls and features and little things for my little grandkid. I sit, I pray, I cook. I work, I do something every day. I, I work the program, I say. I work the program. And every day I do something. I surround myself in happiness. One of my program things is I like to make people laugh three times a day. I try to do three nice things a day for complete strangers. I want other people to feel good. It puts me out of my funk. puts me out of my funk. I find relief. I want you to find relief. Do something for you and only you that makes you feel good. Work hard but reward yourself. Splurge on yourself. Do whatever you can. Maybe, okay, I say, all right, Dr. Dave says this. I know it's not the right thing to say. I say, eat the ice cream, mix in the Hagen dazs with the Slim Fast. It's all going to work out. There you go. Take an extra scoop of ice cream, for goodness sakes. Do something for you. You got to keep moving mentally, physically, spiritually. Keep moving. Yes, we get depressed, and yes, we binge watch something, the Lion Shing or the Tiger King show. Oh, my gosh. That was crazy. That was so insane. And that guy actually thought President Trump was going to pardon him the last day he, President Trump was El Presidente. They had a limo for the, the Tiger King and everything. Oh, my God. That was a crazy show. Yes, binge once in a while. But keep moving forward somehow. Another technique to relieve your stress, I say write down all the things that just trigger you, that pisses you off, that just gets the, the, the nails on the chalkboard. Write them all down. I don't care if it's a thousand things. Purge and write it down. Next to it, what can you do about it? What can you do about it? I love my former wife. She used to slam the doors to the car. My acoustically sound, highly lasered, molded SUV. Slam the door. Honey, can you not slam the door? What? Didn't know I was doing that. Well, yeah, you almost broke the glass. <laughs> it's pretty hard. Honey, can you not yell into the cell phone in public? My former wife had the most beautiful voice. Hubba, hubba, hubba. Just, uh, just an angel's voice. But I don't think she realized when she got on the cell phone, she would yell. 
we were, I took her to Napa one time. We're in this very private tour. Took a call about, about a golf event that's going to be four to five months from now. And then she yelling into the phone. And I told her afterwards, I said, honey, do you know you're yelling in the phone? No, I wasn't. Well, yeah, you were. Because when people stop to look at you and the tour guide's like, hey, hey, hey. Yeah, yeah. And I'm going, you took a phone call from a friend about a golf event for four months. Well, can't you just let that go to voicemail? But that's, you know, it's fine. I probably did a thousand things she hated. The closer you are to someone, you're going to irritate them. But if you can work it out, write down what can you do about it. So I can talk to my wife. I can tell Dave, uh, don't do this, don't do that. Or Dave, you know, you've got some issues. But if there's nothing you can do about it, then there's nothing you can do about it. Just flush it away. Flush it away to have a nice day. That's called poo-poo. Everybody poops. Flush it away. Wash your hands. Wipe off your hands. And go outside and live your life. Just do what you can. Another way to reduce your stress is to talk to someone. You know what you can do right now if you're stressed? Call someone you're close to. Call someone you haven't spoken to in a while. Michelle, I've been thinking about you. How are you doing? And let them just go, blah, 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 blah. let them just purge. Blah, 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 blah. And you're like rolling your eyes going, oh, God, I should never ask this question. That's okay. Let them relieve themselves. And then you can insert, well, you know, I, I, know, what you're, I know what you're talking about, Michelle. I, 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 you know, these kids are driving me crazy too. But you know what I do? I let them run around and, you know, and I try to put them on program. They could have an uh, hour of nap time or hour of TV or iPad time and blah, 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 blah. I mean, talk to someone. Or if you really need professional help, get professional help. You know, we used to call it bus stop therapy. Uh, when you go to a bar, you ha- the bartender's your therapist. <laughs> Or in bus stop therapies, you literally go to a bus stop and you're waiting for the bus and someone joins you. Life's like a bowl of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. And you get Forrest Gump just talking about something. And then you get on the bus and you're gone. Phew, bus stop therapy. Practice something called self. Now, if you're listening to the show, this is where I want you to start writing down these notes I'm giving you. This is part of the show I want you to write down. But practice self. It stands for serenity, exercise, love, and food. Serenity. Remember the Seinfeld? Serenity now. You're stressing out. Serenity now. <laughs> well, that's not too serene, George. But find your calm. Find your quan. Find your inner, inner spirit, your child, whatever, and just relax. Look at the blessings you have. I am broadcasting the show second time in two hours <laughs> in my lovely can't afford <laughs> a shoe fee. Looking at God's beautiful work, tree stumps. Looking at beautiful burnt-out tree stumps. These burnt-out tree stumps are probably 30, 40, 60 years old. But I'm looking at the grace of God, knowing how lucky I am. Look, It's always the things that are free that you really adore the, the most. Going to the beach, walking in a garden, making a garden, uh, 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 holding hands as you do something. Those are things that give you serenity. Watching your kids grow and hopefully get out of the house before you're 80, please. <laughs> serenity now. E is for exercise. Exercise yourself mentally, physically, spiritually. Get good exercise. I love to do math problems. I'm going to try when I have I'm going to make free time for myself. I want to do a math problem every day. Something really simple then I'll start building on that foundation. What's that uh, exercise that spin bike Pen, 
Penadum, whatever. I, I, I pen, Penadom, I'm, I'm not sure what it is. I remember seeing the first commercial, and they took so much flack. Someone insinuated, oh, in that commercial, that lady, the mom, the guy doesn't like how he looks, so it's crushing her self-esteem. So she's got to, like, lose weight, man. I'm going, no, I didn't get that. I got her this beautiful mother who's busy, and she's exercising to reduce stress to make herself feel or look better. It's what she's doing. I'm thinking it's the man. Wow, I got myself a hot wife. That's what I took out of it. But, you know, I'm a single guy, okay? <laughs> I'm an old man. <laughs> and those guys are doing gangbusters now because now they have the Zoom classes. And if you can't do that, they say, please take a 10-minute walk. 10-minute walk just to clear your head, just to get the body parts moving, flush, flushing that, some of that stress and anxiety away. L is love. Love yourself. Take care of yourself. Respect yourself. Give other people love and respect. Hence, I do three nice things a day. I do it for them, but I'm also doing it for me. It makes me feel better. I'm about building bridges, not walls. And the things I know now are just starting to come to fruition. I hope God gives me another 10 years so I can learn more and give out more. And I'm learning to love myself. It helps me to love others. The last thing is food. Whether it's food for thought or in my case, cooking. I date myself. I, I make it a point once a month, I date myself. I'll get up. The house has to be clean. I want clean sheets because, man, I just love the smell of clean sheets. I'll work out. I'll do some chores, maybe plant a little bit here and there. Then at 2 o'clock, shower and shave, put on a nice shirt, and I start the process of cooking. I might have a glass of vino. Yes, I might. I'll have a love story in the background. It's not going to be uh, Sleepless in Seattle. It's going to be Casablanca. Or a haunted love story called Citizen Kane. Ho, ho. I want, and I'll, I'll make it a thing. It's, it's an all-day event, and I'll cook. And, and what I do, too, is I only take a bite of, of, of the carbonara. It calls for half a pound of bacon, and I add three pounds of that, and I just give it to my firefighter friends to feed them, feed the homeless, feed the firefighters. Okay. You see? I do things that reduce stress. Another thing, ladies and gentlemen, and this is a big one, forgiveness. You want better rest. You want to clear your head. You want less toxic feelings about yourself or others. This is, is the best thing you can do for coping skills is forgiveness. Forgiveness takes bad connections between stress and mental illness and makes it zero. I'll say this again. Forgiveness takes bad connections between stress and mental illness and makes it zero. Had a uh, very private conversation with uh, someone I just adored. And we're going back and forth, and, and this lady says, can you ever, ever, ever forgive me? And without hesitation, I said, honey, the first thing you have to do is forgive yourself. And I know it was pure of heart because I didn't even think about it because I don't talk that way. I'm not that articulate because I, I do have a very, very dark side. I am slightly sadistic. <laughs> I really am. <laughs> if you're a bad person, mm, you bought the ticket. I'm going to give you the full ride. But in this case, 
forgiveness. I mean, it's amazing. Uh, I totally forgive my mom. She never had a chance. She never had a chance. And I forgive my dad, the passive observer, a firefighter that couldn't take my hand and rescue me. He never said no. He never said stop. The best thing he can say was, well, one of these days, David, one of the, you watch, one of these days, I'm going to have a talk with her. I'm going to lay down the law one of these days. Even when I was stabbed and I moved my feet from the kitchen, shuffled it to the living room and he's reading his paper. He knew I was there. He must have heard me. I was dripping blood on the carpet. Drip, 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 drip. A big pool was forming on the carpet. Yeah, that wasn't good enough for one of these days. Unbelievable. It pains me more now than it did as a kid because I, 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 I'm starting to understand the value of life. The absolute value of life. The precious value of life. It may be because I'm a grandparent. I don't know. Maybe because I'm alone. I don't know. But I forgive my parents, which helps me more than it does them. Helps me sleep more. Helps me see things just a little bit more differently. It gives me more compassion. It makes me want to be a better person, which is one of the reasons why I do this show. I'm a very busy person. Again, this is the second time I'm recording this show, and it's going to, this is one of my longest shows ever. It's important. This show is so important with what's going on in the world today. But forgiveness is a huge part of reducing your stress. And lastly, I say laugh it up. Laugh things away. Laugh for today. And all things, ladies and gentlemen, find something to laugh about every single day. Something. That's why we have sitcom shows. They blow away the CSI shows. They blow away the murder shows. These sitcoms, again, they're there for a reason. You know, when you laugh, when you have the canned audience laughing, you might chuckle too. It reduces a lot of stress. Do you know that? It, it does that. It's a medical fact that laughter shuts down the release of your stress hormones. That's an actual fact. Laughter is the yin to stress's yang. Laugh. We do this in the fire department. Sometimes it's off-colored. And we got to watch ourselves. We'll have a person in the back of the ambulance, a chopper's landing, and we're going to load the patient, transfer him from uh, uh, the stretcher, put the stretcher down, and then package them up and load them in the and, and load them in the hot load them in the helicopter, and sometimes we'll laugh about something stupid. And I'm a court gesture. I knew that was my role in the beginning. I saw the stress levels. I saw we weren't working as a team. I act affable, but I kind of know what I'm doing. I'm playing a little bit of chess here. It got to the point like, Dave, did you plan it? I'm going. Why well, didn't plan it? But you know, I just kind of inserted myself. Cal, Cal fire guys, the professionals. They we watch a movie after lunch. And I'd be working and training with them. They say, oh, Pelzer, next call. You got to say that line. Dude, I cannot do that. Do it, Pelzer. Do it. Double dog dare you. Oh, man, you double dog dare me. I got to do it now. And it was a few hours later. I came on scene. <laughs> and the volunteers were doing some more stuff. And I said, what in the wide, wild world of sports is going on here? Doc, that volunteer a day's pay for napping on the job. From the movie Blazing Saddles. <laughs> Sometimes I, I'll, I'll see, see I, I remember this one ambulance guy, when I told him I was leaving, he was emotional, we hugged and whatever. And he said, who's going to make us laugh? He says, oh, I don't know, I'm trying to train this one firefighter, Dr. Phil, to, I'm trying to pass the baton to him, but he's not going to be as snarky as me. I give good snark. Yeah, see? 
Laughter can change your whole day, ladies and gentlemen. And, and, and with that, I have one question. Where in the hell is Robin Williams when you need him? Can you imagine Robin Williams doing stand-up in the middle of COVID? I bet you he'd come out in, in a Speedo, uh, pink slippers, <laughs> and a mask, and do four hours impromptu. Oh, my gosh. I would pay any amount of money to see that man do a comedy routine in COVID. Well, folks, I, I know this show is a little long. And I appreciate your patience. I really, really do. And I hope that you got something out of this. I probably should have, if I was smart, yeah, see, I would have done two shows. But I wanted to give this information to you now. So let's kind of do our wrap-up here. And we want to thank our very good friend, Mr. Pat Metheny, and the Pat Metheny Group and Pat Metheny Management for allowing us to use this amazing music. If, if you haven't heard of Pat Metheny, you're listening to in the intro and the exit music. Give, go to his website, patmetheny.com. He's got his library out there. If you want to relax, Pat Metheny is your man. So, folks, I want to thank you again for giving us a listen. And remember, in the course of a life, one never knows what events may transpire. And sometimes you have to wait for it, ladies and gentlemen. If you're alone and you think you're lonely, just take care of yourself and you're going to turn a corner and something may happen. And if you listen to the show, you know you're never alone. My thoughts, my prayers, circular prayers are always surrounding you. You're safe. You're safe for now. You just do what you have to do for the now. When you're going through hell, you just keep going. And like I used to say, sometimes you just got to smile and wave, boys. Smile and wave. And as always, please have faith. Please keep the faith. You never know what the tide's going to bring in the next day. So for now, do as much as you can for as long as you can for as many as you can. So once again, this is your host, Dave Pelter, speaking to you in my own voice, attempting to try to save America and the world at large from itself, starting with me. So until next time, please take good care. And as always... Good day, good luck, and God bless. Thank you.